Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace at all of our campuses and network churches. We are so excited that you are here. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And just personally, overjoyed that you have come uh, this week, all week long, and even this weekend. I've just been praying for this weekend. Labor Day weekend is an easy weekend to kind of skip out from church. But as I've been working on this message, I'm like, God, would you bring the people who just need to hear this from you? Would you just bring people maybe for the first time or they've been coming for a long time? Would you just get them here uh, to hear this message from you today. And so again, we're excited you're here. Before we get get into things, I just want to mention one quick thing. Uh, Next weekend is a weekend that you will not want to miss. Uh, Every year, this is kind of our fall kickoff Sunday as we ramp back in, full swing into fall. It's an exciting time to be here. You do not want to miss it. Next week, we're also starting our new series called Movies from the 80s. Movies from the 80s, a series that I know will be a ton of fun. Also a series I'm praying that God will change a bunch of lives through. Honestly, I pray it'd be a series that we'd look back three or four years from now and say, that's the series, that's the Sunday, that's the weekend that God got a hold of my life and changed me. so again, we're excited about it. Next week, we're starting with the best 80s movie of all time. I don't think we have to even talk about it or debate it. Uh, Back to the Future, of course. And so uh, that's what we'll be looking at. Just going to be an exciting thing. We're looking at Gremlins a few weeks out, which should be awesome on every level as well. Um, But I just want to encourage you, in light of this new series in fall, just to invite, invite, invite some more. Invite coworkers, families, neighbors, even complete strangers. Just invite them and also be praying that they would come, that God would stir in their heart, stir in their life, and that they would show up for some unknown reason uh, to hear and to meet Jesus, okay? Uh, well, for most of us, we are now back in school. Our kids are back in school, and fall is here, we're there, uh, school is in process. In the last few weeks, I've randomly been asking people, it's almost like I've been taking a poll, I've been asking people, parents specifically, the same question. I've just been asking, are you excited that school is back? Are you excited that school is back? And I'm going to estimate, this isn't scientific, I'm going to estimate 90 to 95% of the parents have said yes. We are excited that back is in school, school is back. And they go on to say, yes, we're so excited about a schedule. We're so excited about having a routine. We're so excited to have some sense of normalcy in our lives. And I've decided this is a parent's nice way of saying I love my kids, but I might kill them, right? You know, so they're like, yes, I'm, I'm excited about a schedule. What they're trying to say is, yes, I love my children, but I don't want to harm them. So I've, I've heard that. The other 5 to 10% of parents who said that they were sad about school, to, uh, school starting, I've decided that they're on some sort of heavy drug or something, most likely an illegal drug to say such foolishness, okay? No, but seriously, though, as people... Uh, We typically like schedules, we like routines, we like some sense of order in our lives, and really, this is the time of the year that we set our new schedules. This is the time of the year whether we write our schedules down in our phone, or we're 95 years old and we write it down on a piece of paper, our schedules, if any of that, that's you, I'm trying not to judge you, or if we don't write our schedules down at all, this time of the year still... We reset our schedules, we reset our new routines. Yes, our kids are back in school, but also we've used up all our vacation days, and now we actually need to work five straight days in a row. It's horrible, right? Also, there's activities that have started up. Summer is almost finished, which means the best season of the year, the NFL season, is almost here as well. And so in many ways, all of us, we are starting up a brand new year. 
And so today, today we're going to get super practical and we're going to talk about what this all looks like as followers of Jesus. I mean, when it comes to our schedules and our routines, how should they look? How should they be built and what should our schedules and routines be built around? And to answer this, at one point in the Bible, a guy named Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, a guy named Paul is talking about how a house is built. He's using a metaphor here and he's talking about how a house is built and he's talking about its foundations. And in the specific verse that we're going to mention today, Paul is talking about how a church should be built and yet... Practically speaking for all of us here today, it's also the perfect insight on how to build out a schedule. Even though Paul is talking about how to build a church, it's also the perfect insight for us on how to build out a routine. It's also the perfect insight for us on how to build out our lives as a whole. Once more, Paul is talking about how to build a house as a metaphor, and he just simply says that the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. The cornerstone is Christ Jesus. I mean, Paul is saying, whether you're trying to build a church or in our case, you're trying to build out your schedule, your routine, your life as a whole, the cornerstone, the cornerstone of this building, the cornerstone of this church, the cornerstone of your schedule routine, it should be Jesus. Again, it's really, really simple. Paul is just saying the cornerstone should be Jesus. Okay, so this is great, right? Jesus is our cornerstone. But maybe I'm not the only one who's just like, okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> like, I hate to sound like a, new, a beginner here, but what does it mean that Jesus is our cornerstone? Like, what does that mean? Can you enlighten me? And you see, cornerstone is a churchy word, isn't it? And maybe you grew up in church hearing the word cornerstone. Maybe even your church growing up was called cornerstone. It's a churchy word, and yet actually, I hate to tell you, it's actually not a churchy word. The church stole this word. It's not a churchy word. Instead, the word cornerstone, it is a construction word. It's a construction word. And so this week, uh, to dig deeper into this word, I did not call up a theologian because I didn't want to hear from a theologian. And I, I didn't call up a pastor. Most pastors have sa- hands as soft as a baby's rear end. They don't know the first thing about swinging a hammer, so I didn't call a pastor either. Instead, I wanted to dig into this word, and so I called up an expert that might know a thing or two, not a professor, but instead a second-generation mason in our church. His name is Brent, and he has more manliness in his thumb than I do in my entire body. I told him this week when he teaches a class on manliness and manhood, I'll be his first person to sign up for that class, okay? So I just asked Brent some questions about masonry and about cornerstones, and Brent, he told me, he said whether it's building a house or a school, setting a cornerstone is the very first thing you do. Setting a cornerstone is where you you start. It's critical, he told me, because once the cornerstone is set, then you can begin to build everything else off from it. I mean, it's critical. From this cornerstone, everything else depends on it. And in a straight line, he's like, we use laser levels today. In a straight line, everything else is built up and outward from this cornerstone. It is so important. As we talked, he just kept repeating himself over and over and over again. Brent just kept saying it's the starting place. It's where you start. The cornerstone, it's the most important thing. Like, it's, it's so critical because everything else, like everything else, the entire rest of the building is built up and it's built out from this cornerstone. This cornerstone is, is, is so important. And so today, I just want to talk really practically and again, and just ask, I'm going to take all the churchiness out of it. Again, this is a construction word. I just want to ask all of us, when it comes to our schedules and our routines and our lives as a whole, I just want to ask, what is the cornerstone of your life? Honestly, again, taking all the church crud out of it, 
What is the true cornerstone of your life? When it comes to your schedule, what is the starting point? When it comes to your routine, what is the first block that you put in and you build everything else up and outward from that cornerstone? Again, what is the cornerstone? What is the true cornerstone? Not the fake answer. What's the true cornerstone? The cornerstone of your life, your schedule, your, your routine. And I'm just guessing, and there's no shame in this. I'm just guessing if we were honest, that many of us would say our cornerstone, it's, it's our job. Our true cornerstone, it's, it's our job. Like everything else, like we start with our job and everything else is built up and out of our job. Like everything revolves around our jobs. You want to hang out on Friday night? Let me first check with my job to find out if we can meet up. Again, for us, some of us, it might be our job. While others of us, it's money. It's like more than our job, it's, it's money. You want to know what everything around my life hinges on. You want to know what I have in line with. It is money. Maybe for some of us, we'd never add this into our schedules, of course. But maybe for some of us, it's an addiction. And so the cornerstone of our life, it's, it's pornography. We'd never say it, but everything in our schedule, everything in our routine, we're thinking about everything in our whole life, it's, it's pornography. For others of us, it's when the next drink, when can we get it? It's the next drink and the next drink. And so everything, you want to know what's really important. You want to know what's lying. I'm, I'm constantly looking at that drink. I'm constantly looking at that drink. For others of us, it is our job. We're workaholics. We lie to our wives about working. Crazy, right? We just lie. Not about alcohol. There's not another girl. It's our girl is our job. Our man is our, our, our job. Maybe it's good things. Maybe the cornerstone in our life is exercise. We're not really into our career, but exercise, it's the starting point of our lives. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's our family. Maybe the cornerstone of our lives is our kids. It's like you want to know what our lives revolve around. It's, it's, it's our kids, and specifically on the weekends, it's not even our kids so much as is their little, little league baseball. Like everything else is built off baseball. Everything else is built off of soccer. Can we hang out on Saturday? I don't really know. Let me check with soccer to find out if our families, let me just check with soccer to see if I can do that. Again, what is the cornerstone of our lives? And if we're here and we honestly don't know what our cornerstone is, you're just like, I'm not even sure what it is. Maybe it's a bunch of things. But if you want to know what your cornerstone is, I'd encourage you to look at your schedule. Like, What's that thing that nothing can compete with? What's that thing in your schedule that's unmovable? I mean, what's that thing in your schedule that just everything else alters, alters around? Maybe more than your schedule, look at your bank account. Again, I just want to ask, when it, when it comes to our schedules, our routine, our lives, what is the true cornerstone of all of it? Because going back to our verse, Paul just makes it really, really clear. And he just tells us, if you're trying to build a church, or in our case, if you're trying to figure out your schedule, your routine, your life as a whole, Jesus is the one and only cornerstone of all of it. You're trying to build a church, you're trying to build your life, you're trying to rebuild your life. Jesus is the true and only cornerstone. Between the combination of Brent, the Mason, and Paul, I just hear Jesus trying to say to us, it's so critical. Your weekly schedule, it has to start with Jesus. Your, your routine, like it's so important to stay completely in line. Like it has to be Jesus. Your life, all that you are, it starts and it ends with Jesus. He is the cornerstone of your life. Translation, each day, every day, Jesus is our priority. Each day, Jesus is our focus. 
And we should just want to spend more time with Jesus. We want to fall more in love with Jesus. We just want to become a little bit more like Jesus, loving others, forgiving others, serving others exactly like Jesus does. We just want Jesus to set the agenda of our day, our week, our month, our year, our entire life. And I just hear Paul telling us that Jesus just, he shouldn't just be a part of our life and said he should be the starting place of it. Shouldn't just be a part of our lives. Like we add it in after we start the building. He should be where it begins. And hear this. When Jesus becomes our true cornerstone, we no longer will have to fit Jesus in. Instead, he's where we begin. Again, when Jesus becomes our true cornerstone, we'll no longer need to fit him in. If we have time, if we can, if we feel like it, if we're up to it, if we have energy for it, if we whatever, we'll no longer need to fit Jesus in. Instead, he'll be where we begin. It won't just be a part of our life. Instead, he'll be the starting of it. Again, Paul tells us that Jesus is the one and only cornerstone of all that we are. So now just to get really practical for a few minutes, as we move into fall and as we start up these new schedules, I just want to get practical and talk about how we actually build out our lives and what should our routines as followers of Jesus really look like. And today we're not going to talk about how many hours we should work in a day and we're not going to talk about how many minutes we should work out in any given week. Both of those things are important, but we are going to mention a few blocks in our life, a few blocks that we need to have in order to stay in line with Jesus. We're just going to talk about a few things that help us keep in, in line with Jesus. So again, Jesus is our starting point. He's our cornerstone. And then first off, a second block that's so important to add, a block that's so critical for us to have, is called worship. It's worship. Like in order to stay in line with Jesus, in order to keep Jesus as the true cornerstone of our lives, we so badly need Worship, And to be clear, we can worship anywhere. We can worship anywhere. Oftentimes, most nights, I'll take my miniature schnauzer named Buddy, and we'll just go walking around just, just for exercise. And oftentimes, I'll, I'll put on my headphones, and I'll be singing some hill song. The other night, I was singing at the top of my lungs as I was doing, like, worship hand gestures. And I was maybe praying that I wouldn't see anybody that I knew because they would call the cops it's not alcohol, it's the Holy Spirit I'm drunk on, sir. And so, so we can worship anywhere. Other nights, I'll lay in my backyard, and I'll be laying in my backyard just in awe of the stars. Worship is more than singing, if you don't know. And so I'll just be in awe of the stars as the six trillion bats are flying over me. It's kind of a dangerous place to live with all these bats, but I'm just in awe of, awe of God. And so we can worship anywhere. But hear this, it is so important that we gather weekly together as a church and worship. And I say that, to be clear, I say that not for embrace's sake. Of course, a pastor's gonna say, go to church, right? I say that not for embrace's sake, but for our sake. I say it for your sake, for my, my sake. You see, church is the place we open up the Bible, we open up God's word, and we hear from him. We hear from ourselves all week long. It's the one place that we gather, that we just open up the word to hear from him. It's the place that we gather as an imperfect, broken group of people to be encouraged and challenged by others and by God himself. I mean, some weeks when we're struggling, God will use a worship service to breathe life into us. When we're empty, God will fill our lives with peace. Other weeks we'll come to a worship service and we're just coasting. And we've started compromising in all these different areas of our lives. And so God will use a worship service to kick our butts in the best way possible. He'll love us enough to just kind of kick us into place. 
Other times we show up to worship, we show up to church. Why? Not for ourselves, but maybe for the person next to us. Crazy. Maybe church isn't about you. Maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's not about us. And so we come. Why? To pray for the person next to us. To reach out and say hello to the person next to us. To show kindness to the person next to us. Honestly, more than even the person next to us, why do we come? Why do we gather to worship? Because our God is so worthy of it. More than even ourselves, more than others, we come and gather to worship, not for ourselves, not for them, but to raise his name up high. He's so worthy of our worship. He's so worthy of our time. He's so worthy of our praise. He's so worthy of our attention. He's just so worthy. And so again, if we want to stay in line with Jesus, it starts with worship. And then another block that's so important to have in our, in our week, to have in our schedule, is community. It's community. We talked about it last week. We need other people in our lives. People who will show up when no one else shows up. More than just people who will show up, we need people who will drag us to Jesus. People who will pray, who will pray for us, encourage us, challenge us, and serve us. People who just show up. People just time and time again just keep knowing us to Jesus. Go back to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author. He's the perfecter of your faith. Keep your eyes on him. We mentioned this last week at Embrace. The main way that we encourage community is in groups. And this fall, we're, we're, we're leaning into groups like never before. At every campus, we're launching two large groups. And my hope and prayer for every last one of us, every single one of us, is that we'd at least consider, that we'd at least check out one group. That we just give it one week, give it one chance and just show up. Last week, we had hundreds of people across campuses decide that they were going to get plugged into a large group. I'm pumped to see what God has in store. And so again, there's, there's Jesus as our cornerstone. There's worship, then there's, there's community. And then lastly, the last important block that's so important to mention is time with God. It's, it's time with Him. And specifically today, I just want to mention time opening up the Bible. And if we're new to opening up the Bible, it can be overwhelming. It still is for me. But I always tell people to start with one chapter a day. Don't try to read the entire Old Testament in a sitting, okay? That'd be a bad idea. Just read one chapter a day. Start in the book of Psalms. Start in the book of John. Start in the book of Mark. Read one chapter a day and ask God to speak to you. If you're like one of my brothers who struggles to read, don't be embarrassed. There's no shame in that. Thank God for technology. Download the Bible app. It's free and you can listen to a chapter a day. You can listen to a chapter a day in your car, on your lunch break, at home, at night. You can listen to one chapter a day. At all of our campuses I've embraced, we have these free 30-day reading plans at the Info Center. It's the best, simplest, strongest 30-day reading plan I've ever came across. Again, at every campus, there's stacks of them. Grab and go. It explains and shows us the life of Jesus. It also shows us the foundation of the faith. It kind of just teaches us the basics of what it means to follow Jesus. With opening up the Bible, though, I just want to encourage you, don't see it as a box you need to check. Don't see it as another hoop that you have to jump through. Our God, he doesn't want us to check boxes. Our God, he doesn't want us to jump through hoops. They're meaningless if it's just going through the motions. Instead, on the days that you're exhausted, see opening up the Bible as God's way to pour into you from the inside out. On days you feel lost, see opening up the Bible as a guide to your life. On days that you feel unlovable, from others, but specifically from God himself. See, opening up the Bible as a letter from God to you. Again, instead of just jumping through hoops, open it up as a way of God's pouring life into your soul. A, a way of God pouring life and guidance and peace into your circumstances, into your trial, into your situations. 
I know for myself, often when I read the Bible, I just begin to pray, God, would you just speak to me? I'm so simple. I don't understand most things that I read in the Bible. I'm so simple, but God, would you just come and speak to me? Would you just speak to me in a way that I can understand? Because God, I want to hear from you. You are my cornerstone. I don't want to follow myself anymore. Instead, I want to follow you and every word that comes from you. And so again, when it comes to building our schedules, our routine, these are just a few of the blocks that are so important to mention. There's a bunch of other ones that we could add in here as well. We could, we could, we could add serving. We could add loving people. We could add coffee. Coffee's so important, staying in line with Jesus. A, a, tat, a tattoo of Jesus. We could add that as well. But, but honestly, though, as we go into this new year, I, I just want to challenge us with these three things. Basically, get into a worship service each week. Get to a worship service. Get into a large group. Get into community. Open up the Bible. Spend time with him. And I just want to challenge you. Don't just pencil it into your schedule. Use a permanent marker. When you say pencil it in, that's translation for the person's not going to show up. Stop penciling in God and use a Sharpie. And so when it comes to worship, it's like unless we're dying or we're out of town, we're getting to church every single week. We're just getting there. Again, don't, you're not going to hell if you miss church. Don't approach it legalistically. But it's like, no, we're going to, this school year, we're making it to church every single week because we needed to stay in line with Jesus. With community, we're going to show up to that large group. For five nights, we're showing up every single week. We need it. We needed to stay in line with Jesus. If we have middle schoolers and high schoolers, as a parent, maybe it's deciding. It's like every single week, I'm going to get my kid to youth. It's crazy. We never make school optional for our kids. I don't feel like it, mom and dad. I don't care. You're going to school. Why do we make it optional with Jesus? Moms and dads who know the Lord, I can promise you 20 years from now when your son's struggling, 20 years from now when your daughter's marriage falls apart, 20 years from now whenever it hits the fan in their lives, you won't look back and say, gosh, I wish we would have gotten in the Little League more. I wish we would have gotten perfect attendance in school. We won't say that. Instead, what we will say is I only wish 20 years ago as a parent, as a father, as a, as a mother, I would have made Jesus the cornerstone of my family. I only wish... Not only for my own sake, but for their sake, I wish I would have made, the, made Jesus the cornerstone of my life. When it comes to time with God, again, just don't pencil it in. Use a, use a Sharpie. It might look different for each of us. Maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's at night. Okay, maybe it's over lunch break that we just sit and open up God's word. But I pray as we move into fall, as we move into fall, that we just put these blocks into place, that we'd start with Jesus, and then we build up and we build outward from him. Now, before we close up today, I just want to go back to my conversation with, with Brent the Mason one more time. As we were talking, I randomly just asked a question out of nowhere. I just said, have you ever started a project and set the cornerstone wrong? You've built bridges. You've built banks. He does huge commercial projects. Like, have you ever set the cornerstone wrong? And before I could even get the question out, he responded with, um, Yes. And I said, really? And he, he went on to share that one larger project that set the cornerstone wrong. And they didn't realize it until it was almost too late. They set this cornerstone wrong, and because of it, the doors weren't fitting. This was the first notice. They tried to put the doors in, and they didn't fit. And they said the, one of the walls was completely out of whack. And it took days to, to fix this, this, this problem. This building was totally out of whack. Why? All simply because the cornerstone wasn't set right. Like everything else was out of whack. Everything else just was 
just wonky. Everything else didn't fit. The doors, it's just all because the doors, the, the doors weren't right. All because the cornerstone just wasn't set right. And this week I started thinking about it and all I could think is the same is true with our schedules, our routines, our lives when Jesus is in our cornerstone. The same is true with our, our lives. Everything just kind of feels just like, man, does that door work? Like it's just, just something's off. Like everything's just so perfect and yet something is just wonky in my life. And, and again, Jesus doesn't want to just be a part of our life. He needs to be the cornerstone. And when he's not the cornerstone, things just don't work right. And this week I just started thinking about all the people I've met with over the years, people have come in my office and said they're hurting, they're broken, their life's a disaster. People have said their marriage is falling apart, their kids' lives are falling apart. And so often what they'll tell me is that in looking back, I only wish that I would have made Jesus the center of my life. In looking back, it's too late now, we just signed the divorce papers. And looking back, I only wish that Jesus would have been the center. Like, I just wish he would have been the starting place. We added him in a couple of times. I mean, we had a church home. We did all this stuff. But I, I only wish now that Jesus would have been the center. My kids' sake, I only wish, I only wish that I would have started with Jesus. Like, I, I just only wish. And what they're trying to say is I only wish Jesus was my cornerstone. I only wish our, our marriage was founded on Jesus. I only wish my, my, my private life, my work, my career, everything, my routine, I just wish it was all built on him. I only wish is what I often hear in my office. I only wish. So I share that, and yet here's the good news. It's never too late with Jesus. It's never too late. It's never too late to start rebuilding our lives. It's never too late, even if our kids are out of the house, even if we've went through a divorce with the next relationship, it's never too late. It might take some intentional work. It might take moving some walls, shifting some doors. It might take some things, but it's never too late to put Jesus at the cornerstone, at the starting place. It's never too late to start with him. It's never too late to build up and help from him. It's never too late for him to be the defining, like to use a laser level and just to put Jesus at the focus of everything that we are. It's never too late. For the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Made for This, and we've talked about the different things that we're made for. We're made for generosity. We're made for work. We're made for rest. We're made for a community. Yet the truth is, more than anything, we're made to start with Jesus. We're made to start with Jesus, and when Jesus is our cornerstone, everything else shifts into place generosity, we can't help but be generous when Jesus is our cornerstone. With, with work, life, family balance, we don't even need to have the conversation anymore. When Jesus is our cornerstone, it all falls into place with rest. It falls into place with community. It's like, I need community. Jesus said, I need community. It just falls into place when Jesus is our cornerstone. Again, more than anything else, we are made to start with him. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we, we love you. We thank you. And as we, we, we worship on this Labor Day weekend and we look into fall, this new season, if, if you're not our cornerstone, I pray that right now we just make the decision to do so. You'd be our cornerstone. That we'd, we'd take work, we'd take our career, and it's, it's really important, but we just set it aside. We'd even take our exercise, we'd, we'd take our, our family, even our, our, even our marriage. We'd just set those to the side. We'd start with, with you, Jesus, and then we begin to build everything else off of it. I, I pray that we'd, we'd make it to worship. We'd, we'd, we'd just force community into our lives. 
that we just realize we're so needy to spend time with you every single day. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are the cornerstone of this church, the cornerstone of our lives. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.